people say it all the time, like, well, you know, if you're gonna share all this stuff, then no one else is gonna be able to do it because it's all out there now. People still open up a, a brewery down the road and then someone six miles down the road will open up a brand new one. Does that mean that they won't succeed? No, it just means you have to have a better experience or a better business model. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, yo, welcome to the podcast. Boss man, are you with us? I'm here, yeah. Here we are. It's the Tropical MBA podcast, a podcast where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom for you and your family. And a lot of people building personal freedom with a tiny little platform called Amazon.com. And that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> tiny little platform, yeah. I think it's safe to say it's had a bigger impact in the business community than we've reflected on this show. Yeah. Because people that make money off of Amazon, they don't want to talk about it. Is that fair? I think they want to talk about making money on Amazon. They don't want to talk about how they make money on Amazon. They don't want to talk about the tactics and techniques that they use to rank their products on Amazon and the products that they sell. Right. I do think that people are interested in speaking about the business of working with Amazon. And yeah, a lot of our listeners, a lot of people that are members of the DC, they make full-time livings off Amazon. But... Like you said, it's hard to get these people to discuss exactly how they make money. We have had a few episodes in the past that I would point listeners to if you're interested in further Amazon topics. Episode 324, called the Amazon Gold Rush, and 375, which is one of our most controversial episodes of all time. And if you want to know why, go give it a listen. It's called How Hundreds of Young Entrepreneurs Are Making Generational Wealth in Less Than Five Years. And Ian, it's not just that people don't want to share their information about Amazon for competitive reasons, but it's really complex. There's a lot of secrecy. There's a lot of terms of service changes. And it's so fast evolving, you know, like what's good on Amazon two years ago isn't good on Amazon now. So I think just by the nature of the beast, it's a little bit difficult to cover. Yeah, it's fast moving. And like we're saying, it's risky to talk about the things that get your head because if you share them, they become less valuable. Few people tend to be honest about what's going on, particularly those who are selling courses on how to win on Amazon. But one who is respected and specifically targets those who are getting started on the platform is Scott Volker, who has an established podcast called The Amazing Seller. And that show offers insights and tips from his experience on the platform on how others can get started making a side income and ideally eventually a full-time income off of Amazon. So I kicked off the interview talking with Scott about some of the different ways that people are selling on Amazon. Retail arbitrage is one of them. Private labeling is another. But first, I talked to Scott about what he thinks is the best way to get started on Amazon. Baby, we'll be old, old baby, we'll be old. Think of all the stories that we could have told. 
Retail arbitrage is, is a really great model for people that just wanna get their feet wet. And it's where you go to a big box store or any store for that matter, you see a discount or a clearance or you have a coupons or whatever, and you get 50, 60, 70, 80% off because they're clearing off the shelves. You buy those units and then you can list them on Amazon. You can fulfill them by Amazon and then Amazon will then just pay you whatever you sell them for and then you're just gonna make the difference. So essentially, my mom was in town the other day, and so I, <laughs> I, I generally don't shop at big box stores. And so I yeah. was like, "Oh, wow, this is going to be interesting." And we go to Michael's, which is a craft store, and she oh, had yeah. like all these eighty percent coupons. Yeah. And we walk up to the counter. I'm like, "Wow, that was easy." And so essentially, what people are doing is filling their shopping carts full yep. of these products and then sending them to Amazon fulfillment centers. A hundred percent. My good friend, Dom, he actually built his whole business around that. And then from there, he started getting known in the area because he would then go, instead of just going to big box stores, he'd go to liquidation places. So that what they would do is they would just liquidate stuff for stores and like Best Buy, and then they would, they would house the stuff. And then he would go in and then after they couldn't get rid of it for a while, he'd say, I'll give you a buck a piece for those. And they might sell for 25. And then he would either go and sell a few of them, maybe take a few hundred for himself, or then he would just call you that knows that you're a retail arb guy and say, hey, I got a thousand of these, whatever, I'll give them to you for three bucks. And he makes two bucks and he just transfers the deal. So that's kind of how he graduated. But yeah, it's, people are actually, and he, he knows a guy, they're going all year long, okay, summer months, spring months, fall months, building up their inventory for fourth quarter. And then what they do is they'll buy toys and games and stuff for kids because that's a big hot thing for fourth quarter. They'll ship them in just in time for fourth quarter. They'll make 300 grand and then just, that's their year. They're done. Then the next year, they just keep piling it. Fourth quarter being like Christmas, holidays. Yep. Yeah, usually generally that starts right around end of October into Black Friday. And then from Black Friday, it's just craziness. Yeah. What I guess everybody these days online is calling retail arbitrage. I mean, this kind of stuff, B2B has been going on for a long time. It's like you're sure. buying at wholesale, you're selling at retail. Yep. So essentially, you're figuring out a way to buy at wholesale at retail at a retail store and then sell yep. again at retail. Yeah, it's and it's name brand stuff. And you can literally, they got apps now that you can scan something in the store. It'll tell you what the ranking is. And again, ranking just means a number that Amazon gives a certain product to see how well it's selling. And then there's some parameters that you can kind of punch in to see if it's if it's something that will move. So you're not just buying something randomly, not knowing if it's actually selling. So you can go into a store and just start scanning items and go, yeah, that looks good. And then you get, there's five of them. You buy five of them, you buy six of something else, 10 of something else. And then you package them up, you ship them into Amazon and you then list on their list. So basically, if there's a name brand that you're selling on, you just list it. It literally can, I could list one right now with you on and take me probably like five clicks. I've got an item that's listed on there and I don't even have it shipped in yet. I could fulfill it by, by merchant if I wanted to. It's a great model for people that are looking to get started, but to me, it's not scalable because it's a lot of work that you're going to be out there hustling through stores. Eventually you're going to learn out, you know, learn what stores have stuff at certain days, certain weeks, certain times of the month, and you're going to start to get that routine. And when you say beginner strategy, it seems like it's an okay way to make a couple dollars. But once it scales, then it seems like real relationships are going to come into play. Like yeah. actually having a relationship with Best Buy, not mm -hmm. you know walking in the front door, actually pulling up your truck to the back door. Yep. And they would call you or maybe and say, hey, I, you know, I've got things that we're going to be putting on the shelf. If you want first dibs on it, here you go. Or just you then all of a sudden partner up with other people that are in the space. So that, that's a way you could technically semi-scale it, but it's still, it's hard because, you know, again, you're, you're in there, you're handling stuff and it's never the same inventory. It's going to be always different. With private labeling, you know, you get something working, you just reorder it. Let's talk a little bit about private labeling and, and white labeling. 
white labeling and private labeling are very similar. You know, white labeling is really like you're taking that brand and then you're making it your own with like, at least in my understanding, like no modifications really. With private labeling, we're able to then tweak and, and modify or add custom packaging, all of that stuff to where we are the manufacturer now. The grocery stores doesn't make the generic cereal that goes up against the top brands. That's like a private label, right? It's like where they private label it for the supermarket. Same idea. You know, most people I know that have these kind of arbitrage businesses, like eventually it leads to something bigger and it's Ah. not necessarily like more arbitrage. It's like information products, it's software. Do you see the same thing? I do, but I also see it different than even just that. And you're right. Sometimes you'll, you'll see like, the, okay, wow, there's, there could be a service for this. It was funny. I just had a conversation with my buddy. I grew up with him and his wife. They were here visiting and she's selling like this lipstick type stuff. It's a company like a uh, multi-level marketing type thing. But I was like, you know, if you could figure out a system for this, you could create this tool or this flow that would help all of these different agents or whatever, right? And you could serve it to them. So immediately I started thinking, but I don't always think like that. Like what I think with retail arbitrage, what's cool is you get to test a lot of different categories, a lot of different markets. So you might be like, wow, these fishing rods are really selling like crazy. The fishing market's a hot market. What else could I sell in there? What could I private label that could be a system? Maybe it's a net, maybe it's a jacket. Like there's these different things that now I get to peer inside of some of these other markets that I normally wouldn't have done. So again, it can give you product ideas that, and that's why a lot of times retail arbitrage, it'll graduate you to private labeling. You get some capital and you also get start to get some ideas into these other markets. And that's what I think is really cool about doing that. And you get to get started like right now, like you can go to the market right now and start looking at closeouts and discounts and you can have a product listed up there in like two hours from now. So that's the other advantage of that. This week's show is sponsored by Videoblocks, a service I really wish existed when we started our first business. That's because Videoblocks.com solves a problem that we and most other business owners have. Imagine that urgent moment when you need video footage or an image for a marketing pamphlet or a video online, but you can't find anything that's good quality and that you have the rights to use. Buying rights on images, video, and sound is expensive and tedious, and the free stuff on the internet was risky and unprofessional. Videoblocks.com solves all that hassle. Sign up for your seven-day free trial today at videoblocks.com TMBA, and you'll get access to a library of high-quality media valued at over $10 million for only $149 a year. And that library includes video, photography, sound effects, and more. For your annual membership, you'll have access to unlimited downloads completely royalty-free forever. That's a pretty sweet deal. And they make sure that new clips and images are being uploaded and available to you all the time. So check it out. What do you have to lose? It's a seven-day free trial. Go to videoblocks.com slash TMBA and get all the stock video and images that you can imagine for the low price of $149 a year. That's videoblocks.com slash TMBA. So Ian, it sounds to me like Scott's advocating something that I think is a bigger idea than just Amazon specific, which is you kind of want to stair step your knowledge by starting small, starting simple, and work your way up to more complex and and potentially more profitable ideas. Yeah, Dan, this has definitely been the case for Scott. And I think with one of these new opportunities he's developing, which is basically partnering with people, seems like a really smart idea, given the resources he's built up over at The Amazing Seller. He's got the podcast, obviously. He's got a huge list of email contacts. He's got other contacts in the industry. So I asked him how this model will work for both parties. 
So for them, they're thinking like, all right, right now I can put the time in and really they're adding the time element. They're not even adding the finances. So because of that, they can start a brand from scratch, be the face of it and be the driver and be, you know, 50% ownership. And if it doesn't work, they're not out any cash. They're just out time. So to them, they're plugging into me. They know what my strengths are. They know what my team can do. And so for them, they're looking at, wow, if we grew this into a seven-figure brand, let's say it's netting 500000 then I can make $250,000 a year and I only make $50,000 right now. That makes sense to me. And I've, I've seen this happen so many times where you find an entrepreneur that's generally new in their career or mm-hmm. in their trajectory. They have more time than they have money. And so this kind of partnership works out for them. Is that the case for you too? Are, are most of these entrepreneurs new to the game or have they been in the game for several years? Yeah. Well, you know, this one in particular that we're talking about is really, they are not new to the game of online, but they're new to the game of like, I mean, like picture a blogger that blogs and they are anyone right now listening. If you're promoting affiliate products as like Amazon, like let's say you, you write a blog post of a shootout of two cameras. You know, you're going to get people that are going to go through and either buy stuff through that link. They're going to make like, you know, depending on what where you're at, four to six to eight percent on Amazon. So not a ton. But when I can tell you, listen, you can sell the camera bag, the camera caps, you know, all of the accessories for the camera stuff now, and you can make 40, 50 percent of that. It's a whole nother world to those people. Like, wow, I can actually make a lot more money doing the same amount of work. So to them, it's a, a lot of times it's just another way of thinking about it. And then for me, them being like, what I can source it from like China or another part of the world or even in the States and they'll let me private label. So like, what does that mean? Like a lot of bloggers don't even know what private labeling is. I see there's a huge market there for someone if they wanted to, to go out there and show bloggers that are just blogging right now and putting up ads randomly to be able to say, listen, Take those ads off, start building your own products or use those ads to lead people to an Amazon product that you can say, wow, there's a market here for this. I'm selling stuff at 4%. What if it was my own product? I can make 30, 40, 50%. So it's a great way to test out a market before you even actually put any money out. We started our business, me and my business partner, Dan, uh, in 2008, and we just started with the product. It was kind of pre-Amazon and all this stuff. So in a sense, it was white labeling a product. There was an existing product. We saw that product. We said, hey, these are the changes that we're going to need to make to make mm-hmm. this a better product. And then we started marketing those products directly to customers. Sure. You know, Amazon came along and then Amazon is obviously a massive force in the marketplace now. But what I tell people these days is to actually stay away from Amazon. And I'm interested to hear your thought about that, mm. especially for a product that's unique and special to be selling it alongside of commodities to be selling it alongside of other products where it's hard to differentiate what's going on, to be selling mm-hmm. it in a place where you don't actually own your customers. Are you advocating still today in 2017 that people sell unique products on Amazon? Yeah, actually I am. But with that being said, I'm going to say I, I agree with you that that should not be your only channel. And I think it's a springboard or it's, it's an additional revenue stream to your business. Perfect example. I met a guy at Seller Summit, Steve Chu's event, actually had him on the podcast twice, runs two Fortune 500 companies. He brought Amazon to their business to basically say, listen, I will show you how we can take our current products, our best sellers, put them on there, and we can start driving sales to those through our own customers now, by the way, which you would disagree with. 
and say, I'm gonna take traffic from my existing audience and I'm gonna drive them to Amazon to basically get sales generated through that channel and get in their algorithm to then start getting organic rankings for those products. So they're deliberately driving traffic to Amazon, a Fortune 500 company, and they've done million plus now because of that, added to their bottom line. But what you said is is really important, and the reason they're doing that is to get organic search results right yes. within Google for their Amazon product listings. No, that's not necessarily true. They're trying to get ranked inside of Amazon organically. So when someone types in stainless steel garlic press, their garlic press comes up inside of Amazon search engine. We got to remember, Amazon is a search engine for buyers. We both know that. So who wouldn't want to be on the largest platform of e-commerce to be on there other than say, I don't want my product on Amazon because I don't want to be a commodity. I think you're, you're actually reducing the amount of revenue you could, you could possibly be coming in. But again, that's just a different perspective, but I see it at different angles. I see exactly what you're saying, but in the same breath, I see that there's a huge marketplace there for people selling products right now on their own e-commerce store and to just use that as another channel. And then again, like you said, you don't own those people. You don't. You're 100% right. Amazon owns that customer. That's why we try to do everything we can to build our own email list and then to drive our own traffic over there. And then any traffic that comes from that, there's ways that we can retarget our customer through uh, phone numbers or for addresses and stuff like that. And then we can put something up in front of them on Facebook and see if we can get them to then opt in. But we're not deliberately taking like their address and like scraping it from Amazon. But I get 100% what you're saying. But like I said, I, I just think there's just a different, a different perspective. Well, could it be a difference in volume too? I mean, the world I come from sure. is a very low volume, very high price point. And so for me to own my customers, that is it's always really important. Now, if you have a Fortune Big 500 difference. company and they're selling massive amounts of volume, they're trying to build a brand identity then Amazon might make sense. Now that you said that, yeah, that makes that makes sense. If you have a product that's a $500 product and you're selling like, you're gonna sell an extra two per day, that might not make sense. What's in it really in, in the long term for you, especially to have to then go through all of the, the work to, to get that channel to work for you. We're talking like, and literally they ran out of inventory on one of those and Amazon gives you a report of what you lost technically because you've been out of inventory for so long. They lost over $800,000 because they were out of inventory. You know what I mean? Because they ran out of inventory. That's a big number for a business. But again, they're selling a product that might sell for 25, 45, 50 bucks. Again, I think every business is different. That's why I would never say don't ever sell on Amazon or only sell on Amazon because I think you have to look at your business, what's your goal, and look and see where you can add other revenue streams. Because if Amazon goes away, we all know, then you're done if you're only basing all of your business on Amazon. We don't want that. A large percentage of the listeners on the show are selling on Amazon. They're selling physical products. And I'm fortunate enough to get to talk to the, a lot of those people. You are probably one of the guys that actually talks to more of those people than I do because of your community and, and what you've built. And so I, I think you're in an interesting position in that you get to see all these different businesses and how they're operating within these e-commerce spheres. One question I have, the guy I know that knows the most about Amazon and selling on Amazon is the most successful, he will not come onto the show and share his secrets. And the reason is pretty obvious is because once he starts sharing his secrets, he has to go back to work and come up with a new strategy. Mm -hmm. So how skeptical should we be of people that are sharing their secrets on how to sell on any of these platforms? That's an interesting question. Okay. Business is business. We all know that. Like business 101. If we're trying to do black hat, gray hat stuff, that's a different story. I'm at the position right now that, you know, I'm not sitting here telling you that you're going to start a business and you're going to make seven figures. 
I'm not going to ever be that guy that's going to tell you that. I'm never going to tell you that you're going to go on to Amazon and it's going to be easy. But what I will tell you is that there's room out there for all of us to build a business and Amazon can be a channel in that. I look at it as for me personally, I'm a guy that never went to college. I'm a guy that came up through construction and then taught myself photography with my wife. We built a six-figure business off of that. Every time that I've ever done any of that stuff, people look at me like, wow, how the heck did you do it? You're the guy that everyone would say that couldn't be successful. You don't have the education. And so for me now, it's almost a mission for me to be able to say to anyone, like, look, listen, what is it going to take for you to live the life that you want to live? What's the money amount? Is it that you want to build a huge, massive business? I probably won't be the guy for you. But if you just want to basically build a business that's going to sustain your lifestyle, and for a lot of people, it's like the magic number is usually 10 grand a month. Can people do that even if I share what I'm sharing? Absolutely. And I think you can do a lot more than that because I'm also saying you're going to start on a channel and use that channel like Amazon or eBay or Etsy or any of those, but you're also going to build a brand that people are going to buy from you and your brand versus just being because it's listed on Amazon. And that's a big thing for me moving forward. I've already started to, you know, talking about that in the past 100 episodes. It's all been about building your external channel, your email list, communicating with them, understanding what they want, serving those people. And that's what I look at with a platform like us. It's like, and I hear that, you know, people say it all the time, like, you know, if you're going to share all this stuff, then no one else is going to be able to do it because it's all out there now. People still open up a, a brewery down the road, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then someone six miles down the road will open up a brand new one and they're going to try to outbeat the other person. Does that mean that they won't succeed? No, it just means you have to have a better experience or a better business model. I feel like at least I'm going to give people the non-guru kind of approach where I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's an easy road and, and everything's going to be easy and Amazon's not going to change. That's not going to be me. That just won't be. The people that I know that are most successful on Amazon these days are breaking the terms of service. And I think that that's probably the case with most people in cutting edge situations, whether it be podcasting or Amazon. A lot of times you have to exist in a gray area and able to be able to figure out what your innovations are going to be and move forward and be successful. Now, at the level that you're talking about, which is you know ten dollars to $30,000 a month, probably attainable, not breaking the terms of service, but mm -hmm. Most of the people I know are breaking the terms of service. What has been your experience with that? Is it that most people these days that are highly successful selling on Amazon are breaking the terms of service? Yeah, I would say in probably some way or another, or they have a really powerful, strong social presence or a social aspect to their business. And what I mean by that is, is with, I mean, we just had this happen. We launched a product. We sent an email out to our list of about 10,000 people. And one person shared it in a very popular Facebook group. And we sold out of inventory in less than six hours. We had like 300 units go out the door. We had a test order. We only had 500 units. We had already sold 200. We had 300 units go like that. No discount, no nothing. It just got shared. To me, if you have a strong presence or you have that power of an email list, I, I think you could do it without breaking the terms of service. And what we mean by breaking terms of service, sometimes it's, it's such a subtle little break, right? It could be, you know, you're not allowed to have 200 characters, but you have 202. Are we talking about that or are we talking about people actually doing things that are still asking for reviews, you know, and all that stuff? Like, 
Yes, that stuff's gonna happen. If you're in a competitive market, that's why I don't go after competitive markets. I go after markets that sell 10 units a day, up to 20 units a day, because the ones that wanna do black hat stuff are the guys that wanna go after 100 units a day. Supplement markets, skin creams, you know, all that stuff. Like, I don't even wanna enter into that. But to your point, if you wanna get into the game and you wanna get into a competitive market, then yes, you probably are gonna do some breaking the rules. And we can get into what breaking the rules is, but I want to go back real quick to something that you mentioned, which is you had a launch, you send an email mm -hmm. out to 10,000 people, you sold out overnight. That's like a dream to most people to be in that mm -hmm. situation. How do they get themselves in that situation if they don't partner with someone like you? Because most people don't have that kind of list. Exactly. And, and here's the cool thing though, Ian, I actually teach people how to do exactly that for free. What I do is I, I have people in the market raise their hand by giving away a prize in that market. So if I'm going after the fishing market, I'm going to give this ultimate fishing kit and I'm going to promote it on Facebook and I'm going to run ads to it and I'm going to start building that list. And we did that over 30 days and we built a list of, I think our first giveaway, we did about 5,700 emails. It cost me about 800 bucks with the prize and with the ad spend. So, you know, that list might've cost me $800 or a thousand, but now my open rate on that's about 50, 60%, which is crazy. And now I'm able to communicate, but I'm doing, it's one-on-one -on -one marketing again, back to email marketing. It's like, don't just hit them over the head with offer after offer after offer. We're giving them value. It's like, here's three tips that we caught, you know, bass last week with this, this certain lure, check it out. And then we show a YouTube video and then we go, oh, by the way, here's a link to our lures. That's it. So for people that say, well, I don't have that, that's what we're talking about. Don't just send it up on Amazon, you know, get it on Amazon, run a little pay-per-click and you're done. It's not, that's not how it's going to work. It used to work that way, but it doesn't work that way anymore. Exactly. You exactly. used to be able to put your product up on Amazon. You used to be able to sit back and watch the reviews come in. Now, if you want to get reviews, you got to talk to your friends and family. That's against the terms of service. If you want to get reviews, you have to ask for them positive reviews. That's against the terms of service. Or you find products that aren't driven by reviews. Like we find products that have less than 100 reviews that are selling 10 or 15 a day. So that means I don't have to go out there and compete with reviews because I can see that the sales aren't being driven by the reviews. If that is the strategy is to go after these smaller markets, to attack them with some of these strategies that are being implemented at probably a higher level than these people yeah. are obviously doing or else they would be successful. Doesn't that eventually make it harder for people to succeed in those markets as that information drips down? It's funny because you would think so, but the problem with it is, and you know as well as I do, Ian, it's like not everyone is going to do this. It takes more work. So, I mean, a lot of people say, well, there's so much information out there and now it's saturated, but honestly, people are just do phase one, they'll launch the product, but then they won't do the marketing on the back end, building the email list, finding out content. A lot of people say, well, what do I send to my list? You know, I don't know how to communicate with them now. How do I get them to open it better? How do I know about headlines? Like they don't know about all that stuff. So... As you teach it, it's just more information that they have to then implement, which then makes it harder. So I hate to say it, but you can put out the information there, but only a small percentage are actually going to use it. It's true. And I think that that's, it brings up an interesting question. You give away a ton of your stuff for free, which is super cool. But then there's a certain percentage of your stuff that people have to pay for. Yeah. And it's some of its information like this. So what is your emotional feeling? I mean, I understand like the business side of things, but what is like your emotional feeling when you know that a large percentage of the people that buy your product will not actually follow through with it? How does that make you feel? It actually hurts a little bit, honestly. My team and I, we've had some really deep 
discussions on this as far as like an onboarding. And it's like, and it's funny because a lot of people say like, Scott, well, why don't I just listen to your podcast? I'm like, exactly. Just listen to the podcast. Like most of my materials there. The reason why I created a class for this is because people would say, Scott, I want to actually see step-by-step, like every single thing, like every step, looking over your shoulder. I want the support, all that stuff. And then that's when I put something in place. But even at that, still people don't consume it. Even though I've made bite-sized pieces, all that stuff. So now it's like, all right, how do I get those people to actually take action? So now we've you know, had a, a maybe a little bit of a quicker autoresponder that messages them. Hey, have you have you logged in today? Have you you know done session two? Have you connected with the community? So to me, I feel actually like I need to increase that number. So that actually makes me say like, if someone paid for something, I want to make sure that that person implements it because I know if I can get them to implement, I'll get them to get at least a result, and from that result, we can work backwards from there. Then we can start asking questions. All right, I built this list. I'm not getting the return that I thought I was going to. Why? Well, let's look at the offer. Is the offer good? The offer is good. Okay, well, if the offer is good, is the targeting good? So now we can at least do some reverse engineering as to why it's not working. But if you don't start, I can't do anything. So it's really important, I think, in the beginning of if someone actually pays me for something, I even feel like even more of an obligation. But even at that, my free stuff, it's just like I want to be able to serve people to get that result. And even if I'm just the stepping stone for them to get a taste of what it, it actually is, that it actually works then I feel like my job is done. And you know, that just makes me feel really good because I know myself, I didn't have the confidence coming out of being in the world of like everyone's going to college and I'm not to be able to actually build businesses and then see myself, basically my own boss, raising my kids, being at all my son's little league games and all that stuff. I couldn't have ever done that if I had to work for someone ever. So it's pretty important to me. I think one of the, you know, honestly, one of the biggest, I wouldn't say misconceptions, but one of the biggest questions I had before we got on this interview about you and what you do and what your business is and what your ideas are is that it's not really about making $10 million. It's about mm-hmm. making your first $5,000 or your first mm-hmm. $10,000. And so that's something that I probably didn't understand before we got on this call. You know, with that said, this podcast also focuses a lot about freeing yourself from your job and your situation and getting yourself into a better situation. How do you find it talking to people that are constantly in that struggle at that point in their life? For me, I'll tell you how I feel. A lot of times it can be very rewarding when they're successful in moving themselves out of that situation, when they're motivated Mm -hmm. enough to do it, when they actually have the resources to do it. It's very demotivating when I tell people the same message day in, day out, and they don't take action. So how do you feel about sharing your message? I feel very similar to what you just described. It's become even more important to me as I get letters or emails of people saying like, Scott, I made my first thousand dollars and it wasn't all profit, but I actually proved to myself that I could actually do this. And and I want to thank you. And you've changed my life. Like that's huge. Like I know myself personally, it doesn't matter if Amazon goes away for me. I'm still podcast. If that went away, I know how to run businesses. I know how to build business. I know how to find markets. Like I know that stuff. That's a skill set that I think everyone needs to understand too, that you're learning through this process. These are lessons and tools that you're going to be able to use time and time again. For me, I look at it now as like, how can I empower? How can I motivate and inspire people to do it? Like you said, take action. I got a shirt on, by the way, that says take action. Nice. That's my message, right? It's all about taking action because without action, there's no result. And that's just the way it works. It's like, I want to be still the common guy 
right? I want to be the person that you could walk up to the coffee shop and we can have that conversation, but yet I do get it through your head and I get to distill it down so you actually do something. Because if you don't get in the game, you're not going to be able to play in the game. And that's what it's all about. So you're right. I don't look at like, there's guys out there now telling you that they're going to, you know, show you how to build a $50 million a year business and yada, 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 right? It's cool headlines. I want to be the guy that can actually relate to you. You can relate to me. We're very similar. It's just, I'm a little bit further than you in the journey. And from there, if I can inspire you and get you to that level, then I know with a few other tweaks, we can get you to that other level when it's time. I'm really just a big, big believer right now in just getting people started and then getting them a result as quick as possible, whether it's a dollar, $500 or a thousand dollars. It's just, I need them to get a result. Thank you, Scott, so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ian. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Great job on the interview, boss. Your interviewing skills are really coming along. I'll tell you what. Watching a lot of 60 Minutes lately. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this one's going to be posted at tropicalmba.com slash amazing seller. I'll tell you one of the things I like about this. I like legibility on complex things. So if you're sitting around right now thinking, you know, I'd love to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial, but, you know, I'm not willing to go all in right now. I'm busy with my job or I'm busy with life. There's something cool about like, this is a pretty clear way you can sort of get in business and start to do some stuff. You know what I mean? It's a fairly, you know, for as much illegibility as there is around Amazon and like what products to sell and how to make seven figures or something like that, it is pretty well documented and pretty easy to make a couple thousand dollars a month. That's how it starts for everybody, right? It doesn't matter if it's Amazon or whatever. It's like getting in the game, getting some know-how and seeing if you have a taste for it. And for some people, like you make that first dollar in your bank account and like you'll never forget it and you got a taste for it and you're, you're off, you're off and running. So even if, you know, that couple thousand dollars on Amazon, like that's not the future, it doesn't mean it's a necessarily a bad thing to do right now, just to learn by doing as opposed to waiting for the right moment or sitting around waiting for a great idea. I will say this, so about your first couple thousand dollars on Amazon, just from being around people that are selling on Amazon, it is probably 10 times, 100 times, whatever, harder to make your first thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars a month on Amazon today than it was five years ago. And the reason for that, essentially, Dan, is because there's Amazon is just littered with what I'll call like professional sellers now. Yeah. People that are very good at manipulating the search results, that are very good at buying ads, that are very good at presenting their products in a way that they can basically get in front of their audience. You're competing with these people now. What Scott's done that's smart here is he's competing against a bunch of silent people, right? No one wants to talk. So Scott stands up and starts talking <laughs> yeah, and gets rewarded for it. And so there's a lesson there too. By the way, if anybody wants to come talk to us about how you're crushing it on Amazon, come comment on the episode. We want to hear from you. Tropicalmba.com slash amazing seller. All right, boss man. See you next week. See you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.